MRCC. Thank you so much for joining us online for church this morning. Uh, we're excited to be able to have online church. God, so good. It's going to be an amazing service today. Uh, I want to encourage you. If you feel disconnected, we would love to connect with you as a church. And our pastoral staff specifically, uh, we're available. You can call the office, come by the office, email us. And if there's a need in your life or in the community, someone that you know, we would love to know about that because we have an amazing pastoral care team uh, that just wants to care for people right now. So hopefully we'll see you again really, really soon in the future. That's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> and uh, we also have some stuff going on here at the church. Go And specifically right now, Operation Christmas Child is something that we partner with. It's an international organization uh, that we're able to pack some shoe boxes with some great, uh, I don't know, toys and yeah. needs. And I mean, yep. there's a whole list of things that you could yeah. buy to put in a box to send across the seas to someone yeah. who, and they just love it. They absolutely love receiving them. We've been doing this for a few years now, uh, but we also know this a little different right now since uh, many people are not in person with us. So we actually have a truck right outside the church. So during our service times, if you just want to drive by and pick up a box or two or 10, <laughs> feel free to do that during our service time. So anywhere between like, I don't know, 7.30 in the morning and maybe 12.30 in the afternoon, yeah. that truck will be out there and they will be happy to just bring one to you. Or you can come by the church office anytime they're open Monday to Thursday yeah. to pick up a box there, so yeah. Cool. Oh, we have a video to kind of like give you a little picture of that, so we're gonna watch that now. This year has been a pandemic year. Children are hurting all over the world. People are afraid, families are scared. People have lost their jobs. They don't know where to go, what to do. They don't know what hope they have for the future. Well, I want every child to know that God loves them, that God has not forgotten them, and that He cares for them very much. And when you pack a shoebox and send it to Operation Christmas Child, it gives us an opportunity to give that box to a child and do it in Jesus' name. Can you just imagine the hope and the thrill and the joy when a kid opens up a lid like this and all these toys are in it? It's an incredible gift. And so I just want to say thank you. We need your help this year more than we've ever needed it because of the pandemic. It's just gonna create a lot more opportunity. Thank you and God bless you. And remember, pray for the children of the world. Wow, that video was super awesome. Uh, hey, I wanna tell you another thing that's coming up soon, and that is membership. If you are considering making MRCC your home church and God's put that on your heart, we would love for you to join us and find out more about what it looks like to become a, an official member of MRCC and be a part of the family. Uh, on November 1st at 6 p.m. here on site at the church, you can come and be a part of that here. Uh, as you're watching this online, if you go to mrccnow.org, there's a way for you to sign up to be a part of that membership class. It'll be three weeks on Sunday night at 6 p.m. at the church starting November 1st. Perfect, that sounds great. And my favorite part, we're gonna have a fun fest. Candy! <laughs> Absolutely. Super excited to lead our kids ministry team and have such great volunteers that are joining in to help us out. Yeah. Uh, even the youth team is joining in too. Ooh. So it's gonna be all ages here from 2 to 4 p.m. on October 31st. Uh, we're just gonna have tons of candy, tons of activities, uh, a maze. Gosh, there's so many things. I wish I could tell you all of it. You just have to come and come see. And see. And have come and find fun. out. It's going to be great. Yeah, <laughs> hey, this is going to be really cool. A lot of cool stuff coming up. God is good. Let's worship together right now.
some praise today. We thank you for your amazing grace, Lord. And we celebrate your name. The victory is yours. Yes. There's power in our praise and in your presence, Jesus. Sing. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. You're so faithful, Lord. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain move. That's right. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. Surround us with your presence, Lord. Oh, there's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. Yes, this is how we fight. So when I fight, I fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night Oh God, the battle belongs to you for me who can be against me no one nothing no for Jesus there's nothing impossible for you do believe that church come on when all I see are the ashes you see the beauty is you do The battle belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night Oh God, the battle belongs to you Almighty fortress You go before us Nothing can stand against the power of our God Shine in the shadows, you in every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you in every battle. Nothing can stand against the power. Can we declare this church? Yes. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. 
again even when we don't see it you are in the waiting you are always moving Lord how we trust you our faithful God we worship walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall but you have never failed me for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never failed me Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness Still in your hands This is my confidence You never fail me yet I know the night won't last Your word will come Sing your praise again Jesus, you're still
Father, how we praise you. Father, we remember this gospel story. We reflect on this gospel story, the greatest story that there ever was told. Father, we thank you. It's because of this gospel that we sing of that we can place our confidence in you, that we can trust in you and know that you are faithful through and through, time and time again, because you've proven it. The battle is already won. And so, Father, we respond to your goodness with praise. In light of the crazy world around us, we fight our battles on our knees with our hands lifted high in praise of our faithful Lord, our King of Kings. So as your church, we serve to glorify you, and we glorify your name in this time of praise. We ask that you be with us as we receive today's message. Open our hearts to receive your word, Lord. We worship you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, church. Thank you so much for gathering with us this morning in worship. Good morning, Mount Rainier Christian Center. I'm excited to be able to worship with you this morning and worship God through the teaching of his word today. My name is Pastor Darius. I mean, my full name is not Pastor Darius. My first name is just Darius. My parents didn't name me Pastor uh, but I am a pastor here at MRCC, and I'm excited because today uh, I get to be a part of the online gathering with you here. I'm also preaching right now live at the gatherings at MRCC, and so it's going to be a cool morning for me uh, being able to share what God put on my heart. Uh, I want to just give you a quick update. If you didn't hear, you didn't know, Pastor Greg and his wife Rhonda, they are celebrating their anniversary this weekend. So that's why they're not here. We're excited for them and excited that uh, they're excited still about their marriage. And so it's really cool that they get to invest in that and the rest of us can kind of hold things down at the church here while they're doing that and celebrating. Uh, we're in a series right now that is called True Grit, which is also a really good movie. There's two of them. One is older, starring John Wayne. One is newer, starring someone else. And uh, the series is really cool because the series is about what it means to have gritty faith. And what that means is we're looking at the book of Philippians. And in the book of Philippians, we're looking at the theme that this guy, Paul, who's an apostle, he wrote the book of Philippians as a letter to believers in a city called Philippi. And the theme of the book for him as he's writing a letter about the gospel to encourage a church in Philippi, the theme is that as he is in prison, worshiping God and writing letters to the church, his faith is not hindered, but instead, actually, his faith is grown and he's excited about what God's doing in the church. Uh, so we're talking about true grit and how when we're in the prisons even of life, God is still um, planting seed and growing trees and producing fruit of faith in our life, no matter what the season. And he's producing gritty faith, faith that perseveres. So uh, we're excited about that. You can jump in your Bible to the book of Philippians. If you've got your Bible ready, uh, you're watching online, you can open up another tab in the browser. You can get your, uh, you get your Bible app out on your phone. However you want to do that. Uh, we're going to look at the uh, book of Philippians and a couple other verses, but primarily the book of Philippians, chapter 2, uh, verses 8, 9, 10, and 11. I'm going to read those for you in a minute. Uh, really quick, I haven't got to know a lot of people at the church yet. And uh, so I just want to introduce you to me really fast. If we haven't got a chance to meet, I'm looking forward to meeting uh, a lot of you when we get back to 
um, full, open, past COVID, uh, completely in-person gatherings. If you're checking our church out online for the first time right now, can I just say welcome? Um, I don't care what decision you make based on this video. I just pray that right now, if you're watching this and you're checking us out and checking this service out, that God speaks to you, that he encourages you, that he brings conviction to your life that produces more joy, more peace, and more love in Christ. And so uh, the online thing is really cool, but I can't wait to meet more people in person. My name is Darius, and I'm new at the church. I'm one of the pastoral staff, and uh, I moved here with my wife, Brittany, from the Tri-Cities in Washington, way over on the east side, and we moved here at the end of August, and uh, we're really excited about what God is doing at Mount Rainier Christian Center. Um, again, my name is Darius. My full name, though, is Darius Rodney Trevor Giles. Darius Rodney Trevor Giles. And um, I, I want to tell you that like the, the names in my family are a weird thing. Um, my, my mom's father, his name is James Carl Price. So he had three daughters and one son. And um, it's a cool tradition. He named his son James Randall Price. Now, James Randall Price, if that is not a name for someone from Arkansas, which my family is, I don't know what is. James Randall Price. And that's exactly how Randall Price enunciates everything. Just exactly in this tone, in this timber. He's all 100% on board, red-blooded American, Arkansas, and I love him to death. Uh, so my mom, uh, she had a son, and uh, his name is James Robert Price. That's my older brother. We call him Bobby. Well, Randall, the second James Price, he also had a son, and he named his son James, I know, go figure, Matthew Price. So in, in just three generations, we've got four James Prices, James Carl, James Randall, James Matthew, and James Robert. So obviously, my name is Darius Rodney Trevor Giles. I have two middle names, which is like a funny thing because not a lot of people have two middle names. And to be honest with you, two of my names, Darius and Rodney, are not really common names. And Trevor is only common for guys who live in Southern California and surf for a living. So um, my name is strange and I kind of enjoy it. But a name is an interesting thing. When I was a kid, uh, a lot of you probably had a mom who had this trick. And uh, I love my mom. I, I love the sound of my mom's voice. Uh, I love the way that my mom says my name. I, I really am a huge fan of my mom. And I loved it <laughs> when I was a kid, like many of you maybe remember for your mom or your dad or whoever, um, my full name only got used when I was late or when I did something really bad. So I'd be out playing. I remember one night specifically, I was out playing. I loved to play outside. I was six or seven years old. I was having a really great time. I mean, I was just jamming, right? And I'm out with my friend Jesse, and we're riding bikes, and it starts getting dark, and I hear my mom. My mom called me Trevor. Trevor? That's how you say it when you're from Arkansas. Trevor? That's the way my great-grandmother said it. Trevor, come here, Trevor. Let me get a look at you. Trevor, that's what my mama Joyce said it, my mom's mom, we call her mama Joyce. Trevor, it's just so good to see you. She loves to FaceTime me. And that's why my mom says it really is, Trevor? And she'd say Trevor, and I wouldn't come in. She'd say Trevor, and I wouldn't come in. Again, it's my middle name, that's what my mom called me. And I heard it probably a few times, and then the last time I heard it, I heard the storm door swing open, and my mom goes, Darius Rodney Trevor Giles! 
And that was the moment I knew, like, I need to get home now and stuff newspapers down the back of my pants because it's about to be a whooping, right? And uh, my mom was really gracious. I remember getting whooped that night. And, and she loved to say my full name to get my attention. She also did this thing that was really cool. She would whistle, like if we were at the Walmart and my mom wanted to get our attention from across the store, she has like this, shh, this teeth whistle she can do. I obviously can't do it. And today, if I hear like a teeth whistle, I'll look around and go, Mom, Mom, is that you? Because a name is something that is used to not just define a person, but to connect to a person. A name is something, when you learn someone's name, you use a name to connect to a person. Uh, uh, and, and the more you learn about a name or a person, the more that name means something to you, right? Like my mom's name is Terry. My dad's name is Gary. To me, Terry means really Ultimately, to my earliest memories, Terry means someone who, who nurtured me. And Gary means someone who is strong and will defend me. And, and to this day, the name Darius means things to other people who have met me. I want to talk today in Philippians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, 10, and 11 about the name of Jesus and why the name of Jesus is the exalted name. Because the name of Jesus is a specific and important name for me and you. Not just the sound that we make or the, the anglicized version, Jesus, instead of Yeshua that we say, but what it means, what the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Son of God, what it means to me and you. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, here's what it says. It says, Jesus, in parentheses, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow on heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, exalted Lord, King of kings, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, right now, I just want to pray over the next few minutes that as we talk about your word in your scripture, captured through a camera, projected right now onto screens, people's hearts, including my heart, would be open and awakened to the power that your name holds for our lives, for our relationships, for our connections, for our healing, for our future and our hope. In Jesus' name, amen. In Philippians chapter 2, there's some really, really cool stuff that happens here. Um, it, it starts out by saying, right, being found as appearance of man, Jesus humbled himself by being uh, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then it says, therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. I want to stop there for a second because, again, this is really important. Jesus is the name above every name. Right? Like, my name is Darius Rodney Trevor Giles. And to me, that means something. And to my family, that means something. But it's interesting because a name also expounds definition for someone. So for me, my name means certain things. And, and, and what it comes down to is not just my name, but my identity. 
And when I think about myself as identified by myself, right? My name belongs to me. It's an identifying factor of who I am. When I think about myself in terms of what I believe my identity, my identity to be, who I believe myself to be, and what I have believed about myself, then I self-identify. Now, this is something everyone learns to do. You learn to do it when you were a young person as part of your cognitive development. But self-identification is an interesting thing because in self-identification, there's a huge responsibility and a huge burden. In, in self-identification, I have to learn what is good and wrong, bad and right about me. I have to learn what things are true about me and what things are not true. And when I self-identify, I become the person who holds the key to my identity. What that means is my identity is the way that I interact with people in the world, the way that I interact with the world, the way that I interact with sin, the way that I interact with righteousness, the way that I interact with good and bad. For me, identity is not just a name, but identity and self-identification means the way that I see myself and the way that I live that out. And self-identification is a good tool, but ultimately, self-identification is not our ultimate need for identification. Like, right, like a baby, if a baby is born, a baby does not self-identify. As a matter of fact, if a baby is not nurtured, if a baby is not named, cared for, and told who they are, and life is spoken into them, then a baby will just quickly die without someone there to give them footing and explain to them who they are. And we never actually grow out of that. We just learn different ways to cope with it in life. Because today, you and I, we have to decide what identity we take on. And what God is saying here in Philippians is this. He's saying, there is a name that is above your name. Here's what this means for us as a church. It means I can self-identify, but if my identification only comes from myself, then I'm missing out because Jesus is the name above every name. There's a, there's a word there that I really want to key into. It's a Greek word. It's the word hooper or hyper, spelled like in English, spelled H-Y-P-E-R. And what that, 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 that word is, it is the name that is above, hooper, above. And that word means placed high and above everything else with ultimate authority. That word's going to come into play again in another part of the scripture. And if my name is the highest name in my life, what happens is I fall prey to the lies that I believe about myself. When I believe that I'm no good, I fall prey to living as if I'm not worth God's love. When I fall prey to believing that I am only identified by what I do, then I fall prey to believing that if I don't do everything perfectly, then I have no value and I lose hope. If I fall prey into believing that I can make it, I can be good enough, and I can figure everything out, then what happens is I exhaust myself trying to make my name the highest name when in reality, Jesus' name is the name that I need. 
Here's why that's important. Because Jesus' name takes everything that is not true about you and it takes it and it expunges it and it expels it. Because no matter what the lesser identity is, the greater identity, like Pastor Greg said a couple weeks ago, the greater identity is the primary identity. When we live under a lesser identity, then we live in a lie. But when we live under the greater identity, truth rules our life. And here is the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus is named all throughout scripture. In Genesis, Jesus is the Lord of creation and the God that makes a covenant with his people. In Exodus, Jesus is the deliverer and he's the God that gives freedom to his people. In Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of a law that we could never fulfill. He's a perfect sacrifice that we've always needed. In Joshua, Jesus is the king of heaven's army, the Lord of the host of armies. In Judges, Jesus is the hero that steps in to save a broken people, even though they don't appreciate it. In Ruth, Jesus is the perfect husband and the God who provides in every circumstance, no matter how glim it looks. In First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles, Jesus is the king of kings. He's the perfect king that no other king can be. The king that humanity always needed to rule them lovingly so that we can be at peace knowing that we're cared for by a perfect king. And in the prophets, Jesus is the hope on the horizon. In the prophets, Jesus is the Messiah that's on his way. And when things are at their darkest, he's ready to step in and intervene when we least expect it. That's the name of Jesus. When the angel comes to Mary and and the angel tells Mary about the son that she's going to have divinely, he says, his name will be Emmanuel, Prince of Peace. God with us is what that means. Jesus' name is super, hyper, highest, greatest, above all. I want to encourage us this morning that no matter what has been said of your identity or what you've taken, maybe your identity is, well, I'm a good worker, I'm a faithful person, and I do the right thing. Can I tell you something? That identity is not enough. Not only is that identity not enough, that is one of the most dangerous identities to take on yourself. Well, my identity is I'm the person who does good and I'm righteous and I earn God's favor. Can I tell you something? If that is your identity, you have no way of accepting Jesus's because you and I have no righteousness, no foot to stand on, no hold to grip to in the area of being good enough. But Jesus is good enough. Jesus is good enough. I had a friend tell me this last weekend. They said, you know, it's... it's Something that I've struggled with, uh, and this person's middle-aged, and they've just started kind of looking into some old hurts and wounds. And they said, I've been a Christian for so long, and I've kept up the appearance, and people always tell me, you've got it all together. And it's been so hard to be honest and say, I don't have it all together. The cool thing about that is, I've only ever met one person who has it all together. That person's name is Jesus. So if your identity is today that you've messed up, you're a sinner, you're broken, and you're not good enough, can I tell you something? That may be your identity, but there's a higher identity. It's the highest hyper-hooper identity, the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name. And that name belongs to you, is bestowed on you because you're in Christ today.
What else is cool about the scripture? The scripture just so, there's like so much in just a little bit of scripture that can be so good. Is that if you move on and you look at Philippians uh, chapter 2 and you read on from there, uh, we're in verse 8 and 9 now. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. What I love is, at the beginning of this verse, we were just looking at, it says, therefore God has exalted him. Exalted. And this means that Jesus is not only the greatest name, but exalted is specifically a Greek word. Let me read it so I don't say it wrong. Huperipsao. Huperipsao. And this Greek word, huperipsao, is actually not a super common word in the New Testament of the Bible. It's, a, it's reserved, actually, and there's a Greek version of the New Testament that was written uh, before the New Testament of the Bible, and it was translated from Hebrew to Greek. And so when you read the Greek translations of the Old Testament, it's used a few times in the Old Testament as well. And here's what this word, huperipsao, is translated to mean. It means placed in authority above everything else as a ruler with everything under you. And my favorite thing about this is it actually also means one who is placed high enough that they can look down their nose at people under them. Now, we know that God's nature, right? God's nature is actually that he is a humble, sacrificial God. He's not a God that looks down his nose at us to belittle us. However, what we do know is this. We do know that God is a God who has exalted himself above even death. Because Philippians 2.8, right, it says that he became exalted by humbling himself through obedience in obedience even to death, and even to death on a cross. And the, the juxtaposition, the, the comparison here between death and huperupsao, exaltation, is this, is that Jesus is exalted over death. It means he has authority, he reigns, he has dominion, and he looks down his nose at our enemy. Woo! That's so good! When I was a kid, um, you know, one of the things that I was thankful for this last week was I was remembering that when I was a kid, when my dad showed up, he showed up hard. What I mean is, when I was a kid and my dad saw that I had an adversary, my dad showed up and he showed up 100% and he didn't put up with anyone bullying me, anyone looking down at me, probably until I was about 12 years old, 13 years old, I knew that if anybody showed up in the opposite corner of me, they were going down. Because like my perception of my dad when I was a kid was like every kid, right? I remember having this conversation for the first time and kids were in the classroom and kids were like, well, my dad could probably beat up your dad. And kids were like, well, my dad has a knife collection. And I was like, okay, that's kind of intense, buddy. And one kid was like, well, my dad has a black belt. Well, my dad knows how to hunt with a bow. And I remember being like, <laughs> I remember literally thinking like, oh, these kids have obviously not met my dad. And I remember I jumped in and be like, I was like, dude, my dad's a straight up bodybuilding karate expert. Your dad doesn't even stand a chance. I didn't even stay to argue. I just was like, peace, that's mine, I'm out. 
Because in my mind, when I was a kid, there was no authority that mattered other than my dad, especially when there was an adult that had hurt my feelings or had done anything to show any kind of like aggression towards me. I remember any time another adult yelled at me, talked negatively to me, and I probably deserved it every single time, I'd be like, oh yeah? Okay, you think you're a tough guy? All right. I go find my dad. That, that guy over there said he was going to hurt me. I'd look over and I'd be like, your time's up, buddy. And then my dad would walk over there. And my dad was a burly guy. He had like 22-inch biceps. And he would walk over and he would be like, you talk to my son? And I'd be like, yeah, dad, get him. Because when I was a kid, I knew that there was an authority that was higher than any other guy or any other person that wanted to mess with me. And that was my dad. And God is our father. That no matter what authority comes into or against your life, God is the father and God is the king and God is the name exalted. Jesus is the giant slayer killer who comes after any enemy that you have. Now, the question is, what has authority over my life now other than Jesus? And what have I given authority in my life to other than Jesus? Because sometimes I think we come up against problems, and I know I do. I come up against problems, and I come up against issues in my life, and I come up against decisions, and I think, I'll take care of this. God, if you help me pay my mortgage, I'll take care of the rest of the stuff. So I'm going to use them like a bank. God, if you make sure that the things that I want to put in your dominion are squared away, I'll take care of the stuff that's in my realm. I'll take care of my emotional health. I'll, take, I'll make sure that my wife has what she needs. I just, just give me the job and I'll work and I'll do it. God, I'll make sure that all the ducks are in a row, everything is taken care of. God, I'll make sure that everyone knows that, you know, that I'm proficient. God, you just take care of your stuff. And the problem is that when I do that, I miss out on the authority and the graciousness of God in my life. Because instead of living in the authority of God's grace, where he'll be gracious with me and be a father that loves me and spends time with me, I distance myself from him and I say, God, I don't need you. You're not good enough. What I need is my own ability or my own plan, and that will fix the problems. Some of you today, you have giants in your life that you don't know how to face down. You have hurts, you have pains, you have hang-ups, there's addiction. There's a problem in your marriage. There's issues with your kids. There's things that you've done and you do not know how to come back from them. There's burdens that you carry and you don't know how to release them. There's things that come into your life and they taunt you and say, like Goliath said to the armies of Israel, who can beat me? You're nothing. You've got no power. And David was the kid that showed up that day and said, you know what? I don't have any power. What I do have is a God. And Goliath might be 10 feet tall, but I'm pretty sure that the God that formed the earth with his bare hands is big enough to beat a 10-foot giant. And he said, the authority of God is my power. And the victory of Jesus is my strength. Jesus won the victory over death so that we didn't have to beat an enemy. We just had to remind our enemy who was fighting for us. Which is exactly what I did when I was a kid. I would say, you know what? You just messed with the wrong kid because you don't know who Gary Rodney Giles is. 
And sometimes we have to remember that God is the exalted God, the Hooper Upsao God, the God who is above everything. And today, no matter where you're at, I believe God will win your battle. I believe God will fight for you. I believe that the Psalms say in Psalm 60, 12, that with God we will do valiantly because it is God who defeats and treads down our foes. I believe it in Jesus' name. Today, my invitation to us is to say, God, you be exalted in my life. You be lifted up in my life. Here's what Philippians says. It says at the end of this passage, it says that at the name of Jesus, a beautiful name, the name of love, the name of care, the name of protection, the name of power, the name of authority, the name of forgiveness, the name of sacrifice for my sins, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's why that's so powerful. It's because surrender to Jesus is the best response. I remember in my life about five years ago, I came up against some things in my life that I thought I could fix on my own. And um, when my wife and I got married, I had uh, issues that I had not dealt with. My wife had issues that she had not dealt with. And so in our marriage, there were issues that we could not deal with. And you know, every season that happened, every time things didn't work out or every time I, it felt like we just couldn't, fit things together, I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just try a different technique. And two months later, I'll just try, just, I gotta try a different technique. And I would get in the car and I would scream and I would curse at God and I would yell at God and I'd say, God, why can't I figure this out? God, this is your fault that I can't figure this out. And I would go back and I would go, and finally, you know, I didn't want to pause my life. And this is real. I didn't want to pause my life and deal with the issues because I thought that if I slowed down to deal with the issues, to seek some counseling therapy, to seek some medical attention, to get some help, I thought if I pause my life, I'll lose all the momentum that I've gained this far in my life. That's just what I thought. And it came to a point where I kept saying, God, I can't lose momentum. I can't lose momentum. And finally I said, God, the momentum's not gonna save me. No amount of momentum that I've built can fix this. And so I just said, Jesus, whatever you want, I'll do it. Whatever you want, I'll pursue it. And I began pursuing healing. And some other pastors that had gone through counseling therapy began uh, coaching me. And a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine named Les, began counseling me and a guy named Jack. And, and they were both pastors who had both needed counseling and therapy in the past. And they began to show me that if I would surrender to Jesus, and trust that he had a way through and give up my way through that God would bring healing in myself and in my wife. And I remember I began to pray this five years ago and I still pray this today, even though I, even though I forget at times, I still pray this today. Jesus, you are Lord over my wife's life. You're the curator of her healing, the things that she's gone through, the ways that she's been hurt by other people, even by me, the way that she's been, uh, the way that she's been abused by people in her past, God, the way that she's, the way that she's got hurt that you want to address, God. You are the, the Lord over those things. So God, I trust you. 
And God, with me, I trust that as I surrender to you, yours is the victory. Here's what Jesus did. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 says, And he, in the appearance of a man, humbled himself to the point, to obedience to the point of death, even death on a cross. And through that, his name was exalted. And so Jesus has been the first fruit. He's been the, the vanguard that goes in front of us and paves the way. And here's what Jesus has done. Jesus has surrendered to the will of God the Father and said through surrender and through death, there is victory. Because through Jesus, death, you have no sting. Enemy, you have no hold on me. Sin, you don't control my life. Through Jesus, no matter how much death is professed from the enemy into my life, the ultimate authority, the hooperipsao, is Jesus, Son of God, King of Kings, Emmanuel, name above every name. And so when I surrender and say, Jesus, all I need is you. I surrender my time, my finances, I surrender my relationships. Some I need to let go of, some I need to hold on to. I surrender my job. I surrender my opinion. I surrender my way to you. What happens is I align myself and I live in with Jesus and the identity of Jesus. I live with him as he invites me to live with him in the victory that is over death. The same way that my relationship with my dad was the victory over my enemies, my relationship with and my surrender to Jesus is the victory over addiction. Today, if you're struggling and you're wrestling and you're hurting, Jesus is the victory. So here's what I want you to do today. As we pray and finish, God, we're going to surrender to you. So as you're watching this, I don't know what it is you need to surrender. Maybe it's your opinion. Maybe it's your ideal. Maybe it is your image of yourself as your own savior. Maybe it's time to say, you know what? I've messed things up enough on my own. It's time for Jesus to take over. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that you're hurting with. Jesus will heal what you cannot. Surrender it to him. Surrender it to the processes he puts in front of you. Every knee bows in Jesus' name. God, we worship you. We exalt you. You are high and lifted up above everything. You are the ultimate authority over our life. And God, we claim victory over every enemy. And God, even in the prison and even in the worst and darkest places, you are the God who is the authority over it all. In Jesus' name, we thank you, God, that you are victory. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here with the church online today. I don't know if this part of the message is going to get used. That's why I took a break. So we'll see you next week.